Welcome to Leatherbread, the podcast for fantasy football. Now, introducing your host, Hunter Slapdog Amaruso and Matthew Scotty Hopemeyer. And we are live. And you are listening to Leather Brains. As always, your host, Slapdog, here. And I am joined by producer Scotty today. Oh, it's me. What? How are you doing? It's. I, I feel like we have not been on the pod together in quite some time now. Well, we, uh, as our most astute brainiacs may have noticed, uh, we are Great also, garbage. thank you, delving into the writing game. Uh, yes. So I have been kind of tackling that. And as a result, I use the same time that we normally use to record to write. That way my wife doesn't get mad at me and I don't have to switch up our schedule. Um, and so as a result, I'll probably be on the podcast less and less, but I will make appearances when possible. Yeah, that kind of hurts my heart because I enjoy doing the podcast with you. Uh, Yeti, as we uh, had divulged last episode, he is on his honeymoon. So mm. he is unable to make it on today's episode. And Alan finger banged in Mexico. <laughs> dangerous game my friend uh alan is is uh he's fallen ill so he was gonna step in but unfortunately we hope you're feeling better brother and uh so welcome welcome in everybody welcome aboard to leather brains like i mentioned i am your host slapdog and we are going to be talking about a couple different things here today this is going to kind of be i don't know how you would describe it scotty but i would i would say a very relaxed episode in comparison to some of our others i think we're going to be kind of discussing some of the wild card weekend that is upcoming um, we have a, a couple little tidbits at the end for topics of conversation. So if anybody has any questions throughout this live stream, for those that are listening on a podcast, uh, I apologize. But for those that are listening to us on a live stream, if you have any questions, shoot them over. We will be more than happy to answer them as soon as they hit our inbox. So, yeah, we got a couple on Twitter, too. I got to make sure I remember to bring those up. Okay, well, I'll, I'll leave that to you. Um, before we start talking about the wildcard weekend, Scotty, and I don't want to go into a whole uh, a whole lot of, of detail about this, but I don't know if you got the opportunity to see the uh, the championship game for college football, and that was rough. That was yeah. extremely rough. Yeah, it was unfortunate, honestly, just watching the absolute beatdown that ensued. Um, there were a couple unfortunate things about this game. Um, number one is it was raining there. And I discovered that the stadium they were playing in had like, it was like a weird, like half <laughs> dome. So the fans still got soaking wet and there were several fans that had to be taken out of the stadium in stretchers oh, because Lord. they fell down and hurt themselves on the wet cement, which like, could you imagine, word. could you imagine just for a moment, put yourself in the shoes of a TCU fan yeah. and your team is I outperforming can't. your wildest expectations you decide to spend the money, make the trip, go to the freaking championship. You get there, you're fucking soaking wet, you slip and fall and break your leg, and your team loses by 60 points. That's you took L's all around. That's you a bad day. All around. No, that's, that's a horrible day. Yeah, I've heard uh, a couple of people making that point today uh, on various podcasts and such, and uh, it just really hit home with me. That's just sad. That would be awful. That would be absolutely awful. It was kind of humorous, though. That one part of the stadium is where, like, the majority of TCU, like, it was kind of segregated for TCU fans, and there was just a hole there, and it was just water pouring on them. And I'm like, How? that could not get any worse. I like, don't get you, you go, you're rooting, and it's just pouring on you. Only you, everyone else in the, in the stadium is dry you're getting rained on and you're watching your team just get absolutely obliterated i, I bring all this up 
because I want to talk about Quentin Johnson. He is one of the top wide receiver prospects coming out of this um, or in this this draft class that's upcoming. I'm going to write it off. I'm going to write it off. I, I still have high hopes for that young man. And I think it, it and then Max uh, Duggan, of course, the quarterback for TCU. Uh, he was a Heisman candidate, did not look great. But I think if he would have like if, if TCU would have came out and balled, his draft stock would have just risen just absurdly. So I think there's still a chance that he could start in the NFL this upcoming season just due to the fact or at least like end up in a pretty good situation to to start in the foreseeable future. Maybe not this year. Depends on where he goes. But there's a lot of quarterbacks that um, that are needed on a lot of teams. So I, I don't while he didn't play great. Um, I'm interested to see how his I don't think Quentin Johnson's has his draft stock has changed very much. But I, I'm interested to see where Max Dugan goes. Yeah, I mean, funnily enough, you and Max Duggan or Dugan, I don't know, I've heard it pronounced both ways. Um, You guys uh, were in the same school district. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did, yeah. He was in the Council Bluffs, right right, uh, right across the river from us in Nebraska. Yeah, uh, it was was actually kind of funny because I I had heard that and I was, you know, I have siblings that are younger than I am and I was talking to my sister about it and she's like, oh yeah, I know Max. She's like... uh, he rated me a, a 10 out of 10 in middle school and she pulled up this chat uh, on like Facebook messenger. And I'm like, Oh my God, a potential Heisman candidate rated you a 10 out of 10. What oh my gosh. Yeah. That sounds maybe, maybe Max has kind of a horniness problem. Is he a maybe. little horny? Are he we writing horny. the narrative here that he is uh, is a horn dog? Max, we're going to need you to come on the Not podcast. I, after you recover from this beatdown, uh, which, you know, even though you took a beatdown here, you did have a wonderful and very impressive season. So don't let he it did. bring you down too far. But once you recover from that, we're going to need you to come on the podcast and clear the air because we think you're horny. Yeah, you're you're constantly horny. And uh, before you rate my sister 10 out of 10, you're going to have to go through me. Yeah. Got it? That's pretty fucked up. He kind of, he hurt you. No, he definitely. Look, man, if my sister ends up with a Heisman, I I would be a very happy camper. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be great. All right. That's all that we have for TCU talk. And we are going to uh, get down to business with some wild card weekend countdown. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. All right, Scotty. We got a couple games here. Yes. Let's just start it off, man. Let's let's like I said, this is going to be very um, this is one of our probably more unprofessional episodes, all things considered. I I just want to have an honest conversation. You and I are sitting here. We're drinking whiskey. We're having a good time. Let's let's just talk shop for a minute. We got we'll start it off with the Seahawks versus the 49ers. Who do you have winning this game? Um, I think uh, everyone probably has the 49ers winning this game. 49ers are a damn good team. I think here, here are the keys to this game from an actual football perspective. Um, we first of all need the Seattle defense to show out like they haven't really shown out all year. We need them mm-hmm. to show up and be able to limit this high powered offense. And then we need Geno Smith to sling the ball. We talked about it a lot toward the end of the fantasy season. Um, the one weakness on the San Francisco defense, which is the best defense in the NFL is they give up a lot of fantasy points to wide receivers, in particular, slot wide receivers. Um, so I think DK Metcalf has to be heavily Donkey involved. Kong. Yeah, he has to be heavily involved in this game, and he's got to put up a lot of uh, a lot of uh, numbers in order for them to have a shot. Um, so Geno comes out, has a good game. The defense steps up in a big way, and I think that uh, I think that uh, you, we might have a good game on our hands. But I do think San Francisco is going to pull it out. 
Okay. I, I agree with you. I think Sam Fran is, is probably the, the very clear favorite. Um, I am curious, like, because like you mentioned, they, they are kind of leaky to wide receivers. DK Metcalf is probably one of the scariest slot receivers in the NFL. Like he's just an abnormally large human being. He's abnormally fast. He's just a scary dude. But I don't think that's enough to get it done for the Seahawks. I think that the 49ers win this game. And this is where it gets interesting. And I know we've had this talk, but I'd like to just revisit it here for a moment because there is a, a somewhat of a formidable chance here that the 49ers make a pretty good run at the very least to the conference championship. Okay. So they will play whoever wins between the Giants and the Vikings. Right. And honestly, I could see the 49ers beating either of those teams as well. So there's a decent chance there. There is a pretty good chance that they make the championship game. Okay. What happens to Brock Purdy? Like, and we've talked about it maybe at nauseum, but I, I, and I, I don't know, but you gotta be thinking and 49ers fans have to be thinking there is a chance is, is there a chance that he is their starting quarterback if he takes them to the championship? Like, is that a possibility? Um, yeah, I think the, what's really going to make this a difficult conversation is if San Fran makes it to the Super Bowl. Um, cause if they find themselves in the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, um, I think there's a very good shot that that, uh, that conversation has to seriously happen. Um, mm -hmm. the other thing to consider here is, uh, you know, Trey Lance is a mobile quarterback and it all depends also on how he comes back from this injury. I mean, if he comes sure. back and he doesn't look like his true self, um, you know, they're going to have to make that evaluation at that time. You know, there's no doubt they spent a lot of capital on Trey Lance. I think that Trey Lance, uh, because of his skill set and keeping plays alive, he's sort of that the new prototypical NFL quarterback. They want him there. I think he adds another layer to this offense when healthy. Um, but there's a lot up in the air. Brock Purdy's able to find this success. And, you know, let, let me say this in a vacuum, Trey Lance comes back healthy. I'm picking Trey Lance 10 times out of 10. And the reason for that is because we know he's a good quarterback and we know that he can run the football. Um, he has another level to his game in comparison to Brock Purdy, but it gets convoluted. If they make it to the Super Bowl here, maybe Trey Lance doesn't come back 100% healthy. Um, those things can make this a little bit more complex than it otherwise would be. Uh, yeah, it, it does. And and that's part of the problem. And, and that's, I, I think that whether you're a 49ers fan or you're playing in fantasy football and you own Trey Lance, you at the very least have to be cognizant of, of, of the possibility of this being, being real. I, I am in the camp and I've said this before on the podcast and on Twitter, but I am in the camp that I still, I still think it's Trey Lance's job. That conversation might change in two to three weeks. It, it could and this is going to be a really big moment for for Purdy and and we have we have said before like this is a systematic quarterback offense that is what the 49ers have been bare minimum the last 2 years because Jimmy Garoppolo is not a good quarterback and we know that and we've said that and we have analyzed that so it's very systematic and there are so many other weapons. What would be interesting to me, and I don't actually see it happening, but the 49ers, let's say they do make it to the championship and they end up losing to the Eagles, right? Um, Brock Purdy will still be on the team. Like, I think some people are like, well, they could trade Purdy and they could, 
I don't know how much value they're going to get for him, and he might just be a really good keep for them. Mr. Irrelevant suddenly became a really good quarterback, too, for them, and they still give Trey Lance the opportunity next year. I think that they do because they need to see what they have in this young man beforehand, regardless of the outcome. Now, if they win the Super Bowl, that could get a little different, but they also have so many other weapons all around them that I expect the 49ers, given their roster, they don't need to have a great quarterback. They need to have a decent quarterback, and that's what Purdy is in my eyes. Yeah, I think if if Trey Lance played the season uh, and and finished healthy, um, and this team looked the same as they do now with Trey Lance at the helm, I think they'd be the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. I really do, just because this team altogether a great defense, a star-studded offense. Um, you know, Brock Purdy is kind of the one question mark, and he's performed thus far. So um, I don't know, man. I I, I I think trading Brock Purdy, depending on the offer that they get, could be yeah. a feasible option. But again, he's on a rookie contract. Uh, he doesn't cost them any money, and they know they have a solid backup with Trey Lance, mm-hmm. who already now has injury history. Um, so I, I I would agree with you. If I'm the GM there, I'm not trading away Brock Purdy regardless because I would like to Unless know Unless the that offer my... is compelling enough. Correct, yeah. And there are a lot of teams looking for quarterbacks. So this, yeah. this is going to be a, a quarterback shakedown in the offseason here, so we'll have to see how things turn out. Um, so if it's a too-good-to-be-true sort of offer, then yeah, I, I'd get rid of him. But for the most part keeping him as your second option on your bench for basically no money is a damn good deal. Sure. Uh, Let's move. I'm interested to talk about this game. Chargers versus Jacksonville. I think we have somewhat of a divide here. Uh, I know internally with our, with the father brains, there is some divide. Um, I don't know what to call us. Like there's a group of us that, that do uh, a variety of things for this podcast and other media sources and, so I don't know what to call us. I've, I've I don't been know struggling either. with that all year. Yeah, so, I mean, it, I've, I've just been saying the Leatherbrains team, but that sounds far too professional. We need something. Yeah, we're not. Prof- we're drinking whiskey and we're talking nonsense here. Yeah. So we need to come up or, or somebody needs to come up with a name for us because I've been struggling with that uh, pretty badly. But Jaguars Chargers, who do you got winning this game, Scotty? Um, I could see this one going either way. Um, officially I have Jacksonville winning, but I would not be surprised either way. I really think this one's going to come down to quarterback play because when you look at the offense that Jacksonville's running with, um, you know, you have Sarah Jessica Parker who brought sex back to the city of Jacksonville. And I, I love that, but who's he throwing to? He's throwing to Christian Kirk. He's throwing to Zay Jones. He's throwing to Evan Ingram, all of whom are are, are having career seasons, but we're not going to look at that pass catching group and say, these guys are elite, you know, Calvin Ridley's going to come back and be by far the wide receiver one. Um, so I, you know, you're not being removed from the, from the sport for two years. I do think so. I think that if you put him on a team with real high caliber weapons, then there would be a question there, but he's coming onto a team with, you know, Christian Kirk's a wide receiver too. When it comes to skill, Zay Jones, he got paid like a big name wide receiver one, which was very stupid. That's, that's (laughs) probably the one thing Jacksonville fans are upset about with this season is that now they're stuck with Christian Kirk and giving them all this money. Um, you know, but he's, and I want to just, I want to, there's an asterisk there. Christian Kirk is not a bad wide receiver. I think mm-hmm. they're, they're more than anything else. They're just pissed that they are paying him that much because he's a good yeah. own. He's not a bad yeah. own for him. He's a wide receiver too. And that's fine. Yep. And I think that's why picking up Calvin Johnson was, or Calvin Johnson, Cal- Calvin <laughs> he Ridley. He came back? Yeah. 
picking up Calvin Ridley uh, was a great move for them because I think they're, you know, they're taking a chance on a guy who obviously is going to be out for a while. Uh, yeah. But when he comes back, if he looks anything like his old self, they're going to have a true wide receiver one there and then some great ancillary pieces. So mm-hmm. I think that was a good move. But you know, looking at the Chargers offense, now they've got all these old guys who can't stay healthy and Brandon Staley decides to throw people in a week 18 game that means nothing and get everybody injured. So who knows how these offenses are going to shake out. Um, I really do think it's going to come down to which quarterback performs better. And both of these quarterbacks have an opportunity to put the team on their back. Uh, I'm going with Jacksonville just because they've been on a tear, but uh, I could see it going either way. Yeah, you mentioned injury. Uh, Mike Williams, uh, he he got hurt last game and he is still currently sidelined, which is that is a big problem for this team. So stupid, man. It is. I just it's... I can't even fathom what the hell was going through his mind. I don't know. But in this team has been injury ridden all year or injury plagued all year. Why would you take the risk on it? Well, if I yeah. had to pick and I don't know what you what you have, I I think I'm going to take the, the Jaguars here as well, which is is kind of crazy. Sarah Jessica Parker did not play a great game last week. She didn't. She was throwing the she just didn't look great. The defense won them that game, uh, but I, I expect them to do pretty dang well. Chargers have a formidable defense. So like you like you said, I think this is strongly going to come down to quarterback play. Let me and ask got, you this. They got Joe, uh, Joey Bosa back too. Yes, which is, I mean, that's huge. That, that that's huge. huge. Let me ask you this. Because whoever wins this game is going to play the Chiefs next week. Who would you, and you being a Chiefs fan, who would you not want to, to play next week? Um, I will go on the record as saying I think the Chiefs will beat either of those teams. I would agree. Uh, and I also want to say, you know, we've kind of uh, with, you know, me and Alan being Chiefs fans on this podcast, we're kind of self-deprecating and we're, we're, you know, we're continuing to say, OK, the Chiefs defense is really terrible and they got to figure out that they need to run the ball more often. And we're, we're quick to criticize them. Um, I'm in the camp that I don't as a realist, I don't expect the Chiefs to make the Super Bowl, but also no one's going to be surprised if they make the Super Bowl. You know, they are obviously, they have an MVP caliber quarterback who's having a career season. They're able to spread the ball around. They still have a great offense. Their defense is getting better. The last couple of weeks, they, we've seen a lot of improvement. Um, so no one's going to be surprised if they make the Super Bowl. So I think they would beat either of these teams. I think I would rather play the Chargers just for the fact that, uh, you know, with the history that the organizations have, I would like to hand them an L in the playoffs. Now, the the narrative for the story, it would be cool. I'm a, um, I'm a big narrative guy. No, I get that. I, I, I respect it. I, I One follow-up question. Do you think the Chiefs make the Super Bowl this year? I don't know. I think I think they beat either of these teams. Um, okay. The Bills, obviously, are always nerve-wracking. I think they would beat the Dolphins right now, especially because Tua can't figure out how to get his head in the game, literally. Um, I think they would beat the Vikings or the Giants. I think they would beat the Ravens and the Bengals would be would be a tough bet. Um, Dallas and Tampa Bay have looked like they don't even belong in the playoffs recently, so I think they could probably beat them. So um, obviously, you know, Bengals Bills are the two teams that I am real concerned about here and San Francisco. Um, and I think those games could be, you know, all well, they of those games. See San Fran, the Bills and Bengals, they would see before the Super Bowl. Well, I'm just I'm just saying. You know, if they were to match up with any of these teams, you know, I'm confident in them beating all of those teams except for Bills, Bengals, and San Francisco. Um, so I, I think that there is a very good chance that they end up making it, but there's a decent chance that uh, their defense lets them down and they their offense. Give can't us. Keep up. I want you to risk it for the biscuit right now. Who's are they going to the Super Bowl? Yes or no? 
Are Chiefs in Super Bowl this year? Well, I am a Chiefs fan, and uh, as a also a Nebraska fan, I have learned that blind optimism is the only way. So, yeah, they are going to the Super Bowl. They're going to win okay. the Super Bowl. Okay. I uh, I don't know if I share that same sentiment, but I respect wow. the optimism. Uh, you mentioned Tua. Let's talk about Dolphins-Bills. That is the game this week over on the other side of the bracket. Well, it's the same side of the bracket, but the other game. Uh, Tua is not playing this week, or he is still not cleared concussion protocol at this point. So the Dolphins are preparing for rookie Skylar Thompson to get the start if Tua cannot get cleared by game time. Problematic. Extremely problematic for this team. Yeah. We got worst case scenario for the Dolphins because they're not going to have Tua probably in all likelihood. Um, And they're playing a Bills defense who's not only good, but they've been good without ever really blitzing. Uh, And what that means is that they're able to get pressure just with the four guys down and they have plenty of people in coverage so they can always double Tyreek Hill and always have solid coverage on Waddle. Um, This is not a good look for the Dolphins. I think without Tua, there's a decent chance that this game gets out of hand. I would agree with that. And I, I think that I think most people probably have the Bills winning this game, uh, which should come as no surprise. I, the Bills are they are a legitimate team. They are a good team. They are well coached. And I do believe that they will end up winning this one. But as a Dolphins podcast, it kind of yeah. hurts us a little bit because well, for the, they made it to the playoffs, which I think we're did. all very happy about. Yeah, as a Dolphins fan, you can't feel like the. I mean, you you were without your starting quarterback so many games. You still made it to the playoffs. Your offense at times looked unstoppable, um, and so you got to feel like you're 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 moving in the right direction. Like you're you're definitely going the right way. Um, I forgot what I was going to say here, but dig deep, dig deep. I'm thinking, man, but I uh, I'm having a hard time remembering. I guess we'll just have to move on. When, when I remember, I will cut you off. Okay. Um, we, Alan and I talked about it a little bit last episode and I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Like there, is there a chance that Tua just retires? Like, is that, is that a realistic thought that would go through your head? Um, I don't think he's going to retire. No. Um, you know, the, the fact of the matter is everyone I saw on Twitter from several people today, you know, once we heard the news that he probably wasn't going to play that, oh, he got, you know, three concussions in three games. Well, first of all, that's not true. We have two diagnosed concussions in, in over the course of the entire season. Um, and they are treating him with extra care because of the narrative that happened after the first concussion. Um, so I truly think too, as a young guy, He's someone that has had some bad luck with concussions, but I don't think we've seen enough of this for this to be considered a pattern just yet. Um, You know, concussions happen every single year in the NFL. It's a very common thing. It's unfortunate that two of them happened to him. I do think it's probably wise for them to keep him out for the rest of the season and looks like that, you know, potentially could just be one more game. Um, But I, I do think that's probably wise and they're probably experiencing some pressure to make that decision, but I do not think that he retires. Um, but with that said, I think that thought is being discussed in his inner circles and at least being considered on his front. Um, you know, just because we now know more about concussions than we ever have, we know the seriousness of this injury. Um, and it's not something you want to waste your life on. And you have the name recognition now. You can go build a career in the media or build a career doing something else NFL related and still make a ton of money for the rest of your life. Um, so I think if this continues to be a pattern into next season, then this conversation gets much more serious. But as of right now, if he, if I were in his shoes, I would still continue to play. 
Okay. And I think you're about as close to an NFL quarterback as we know here on the Leather Brains team. You have been diagnosed with many concussions in your young life. And uh, you also had the, you shared the same injury as Justin Herbert this year. So you're yeah. basically a I'm the ragdoll for the NFL. NFL. Yeah, whatever yeah. happens to NFL quarterbacks just happens to me in my sleep, unfortunately. Yeah. And I don't get well, any of the money or the fame. Leather Brains. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't have either yet, but... We're looking to make you some money one day, maybe. Um, okay, Giants Vikings. This game is actually—it's funny. I, I somebody on our Leather Brains account took a poll, and they said that we're split. And they said, "Who do you have winning this game?" There's currently 125 votes, and it's pretty close. Yeah, it's last time close. I looked, it was 100 votes, and it was exactly 50-50. Yeah. Thought, oh, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, thanks for like that. Everyone is just, they're they are so torn. Uh, right now, it's 56% Vikings, 43% Giants. Still pretty dang close at 125 mm-hmm. votes. Um, who do you have winning this one? Um, I have the Giants winning this okay. one. I think, uh, you know, white men can't jump, but Danny Dimes is showing that they sure can run. Fast because guy this guy is fast he's a scrambler and the vikings defense is absolute garbage especially their secondary which is good because the giants receivers are nothing to write home about but if uh, daniel jones can create some extra time scrambling around keeping the play alive i think there's a good chance that he has a good game against these vikings and remember they just played recently i think it was what week 18 that they or or, uh, week 16 that they saw each other um i don't remember which week but they just saw each other recently The, the vikings barely won with a last-minute game-winning field goal. And on top of that, the Vikings are missing two starting offensive linemen in this matchup. Uh, so I think Kirk Cousins and his molasses legs are going to uh, you know, be a real yeah, problem in nice this one. To, you'd be nice to my Superflex quarterback, okay? I'm, I'm just saying I think he's going to be under some pressure. He's not the most athletic guy in the world, despite being pretty ripped for how old he yeah, is. Yeah, no, he is, uh, he is ripped. But, but, but I think he's going to see a lot of pressure, and I think Danny Dimes is going to have himself a game. So I think the Giants are going to win this one, but I expect it to be a good Okay. I also expect this to be a good one. I think because, you know, like I said, we did an in-house poll. I think I took the Vikings on this one. Did I? You did. Yes, you did. Okay. Then I'll ride with that because honestly, this is this is what I would consider to be a coin flip game. I could see this really going either way. I have not looked at Vegas stat lines at this point yet. I probably should have. Um, but I'd be willing to bet that it's very, very close. Yeah. And I I think that's going to be the case more than anything else. This is kind of scary. The Giants organization is kind of scary. And I think it's a testament to how great of a coach Brian Dable is, but they have no wide receivers in there. In the, they made it to the playoffs with a quarterback, mind you, that Giants fans were actively booing as he ran out onto the field last year. Like, that, that was a thing, and now they're chanting his name. I mean, does that just go to show how much a coach coming in and changing the culture and the play style of a team can really just change a player like i think this is a great example of it it goes to show how more fans need to subscribe to the blind optimism strategy doesn't matter if your team sucks (laughs) it doesn't matter if they're making the wrong decisions they're your guys you support them that's why i fervently support jackson mahomes no matter how many tiktoks he makes he's my brother no you're getting too crazy uh but i truth be told like the Giants need some help at wide receiver. Obviously, Saquon Barkley being healthy has been an absolute uh, benefit to them and and his in large part why they're, they're in the playoffs this year. But I'm excited. I, I truthfully, I think Giants fans have to be excited. Even if you lose this game, the optimism for the future is there. And, uh, and Brian Dable's the guy. Mm-hmm. He's somebody I just want to go get a beer with. 
sit at a bar, maybe eat some wings and just talk shop. Like he just kind of looks like that kind of guy. Well, um, and if they, if they get a couple re- receivers, man, this could be a pretty dangerous team. I mean, very. Saquon's not getting any young or not getting any younger, but he's also not overly old. You expect him to have a, a you know, at least a few great seasons left in him. Um, so I, you know, I think that this team uh, has some serious potential if they're able to put some stuff together. I, I would agree with that. I was just pulling up Saquon Barkley's because isn't he not on a uh, a contract? contract? Oh, I, I don't think, think it's a contract he... year, is it? I'm pulling. I don't it know. We right we now. better look at that. No, that's, that's some uh, important information. Actually, yeah, he is. He's an unrestricted free agent of this year. Well, I, I imagine they'll resign him. It's not like they're paying anybody else. That's true, but the problem is, is he's going to want a boatload of money, and I don't know if, if they're going to want to spend it. I am, I, especially given the the market for running backs. That is current that we're going to see. I think, you know, we've we've have not done a deep dive on it yet. I expect us to do that probably after the Super Bowl. But we're going to be discussing some of the running back movement that I think we're going to see in the offseason because there's a lot of big name running backs that are unrestricted free agents. Coming do you in the think uh, this offseason is going to be crazier than last offseason last year? I, you know, I thought that I, I think. It seems like it's setting up like it might be. I, I know. <laughs> I know. And I want to say, yeah, I want to just smash the accept button and say, yeah, it's going to be a crazy offseason. I think it is going to be a crazy offseason. And, and I'm going to, you know what? Fuck it. This offseason is going to be crazier than last offseason. Oh, God. It well, is. That's really an unfalsifiable claim because I don't know how we measure that. But I agree. I think it's going to be crazy. We'll, just, we'll take a vote. We'll just like a thumbs up. We'll, Between me and you. Yeah, just you and I. Uh, it may will include the rest of the of the father brains. Um, I, I I do think that this offseason is going to be crazy. I think we're going to see a lot of quarterback movement, and I think we're going to see a lot of. Uh, there's just so many free agents in the running back market that are big name running backs, and, and I not think only we're that, but there's signing in other places. Draft class is also crazy, so we're going to yeah. get a lot of great players coming into the league, a lot of great pay- players moving around the league. I mean. Yeah. These teams are not going to look even close to the same as they do as of today. No, and I, I, the Tom Brady's going to the Jets. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins well, is going to the Bears. Like, there's just a lot going on. There's a yeah. lot going on. I could see Hop going to the Bears. That's good. I, we'll talk about that in a bit, but uh, I think that would be a great landing spot for him. Yeah, unfortunately, so do I. Uh, Ravens Bengals. It's looking like Lamar Jackson has missed yet another practice and is now on track to miss his sixth straight game with the Ravens. I take it. You're probably thinking the Bengals are going to win this one. Uh, yes. Yeah. I think everybody's probably pretty much on the same page here. Um, the Bengals are just look great. And Joey ice doesn't lose. We have seen him smoke so many victory cigars that I'm like, I think he might need to go to a hospital and get checked out because he's overdoing it. I think like a losing cigar. And it's just like a, a one of the shit ones in the bottom of the, yeah, it's the just humidor. Weed. He just oh, smokes weed when they lose. Just, it is legal now in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he's constantly. Well, he's not because he doesn't lose very often. So he That's doesn't true. really have to worry about that. Um, but yeah, I just think the Bengals are an overpowered offense. They're going to move the ball really, really well. I think the the Ravens, if they have a shot, they're going to need to control the clock. They're going to need to rely on their ground game, especially without Lamar Jackson. But the fact of the matter is they've got no pass catchers. The Bengals can load up the box. That's all they really have to worry about. Um, you know, plugging the article that's going to release uh, tomorrow. Uh, talking about all these matchups here in a little bit more detail. Um, I stated in the article and I stand by it that even with Lamar Jackson, because even if he, even if he, you know, by some miracle he does play, he hasn't played football in a month. He hasn't even practiced 
in sure. over a month. So you can't expect him to look that good. This is looking less than a one-dimensional offense. It's looking like a one-half-dimensional offense. All they have is J.K. Dobbins and Gus Bus, and they just hope that by some miracle they can you know get some yards. But I think that the Bengals handle this one pretty easily. I would agree. I think that the bigger storyline here and the one that now a lot of people are kind of buzzing about, and you know, we've been talking about this almost at nauseum for the last couple of weeks, Lamar Jackson, does he return to the Ravens? Is that you're shaking your head? No, I think I agree. I, th- I don't know if he's going to be with the Ravens next year. Obviously for those that do not know, he uh, he's on a contract year. He is representing himself. They did not get a contract signed before the start of his season here. And this is the end of his rookie contract. He wants to get paid, but he hasn't played. <laughs> yes. That was a great rhyme, but that's, that's part of the problem for this Ravens team and this Ravens organization. And I think this, this causes a lot of hesitancy for, not only the Ravens, but anybody that is interested in signing Lamar Jackson. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think at this point in time, Lamar is really going to have to temper his expectations on his next contract, no matter who it's with, because mm-hmm. we now have consecutive seasons where he has missed significant time because of these injuries. Um, it's just <laughs> it's rough, man. I, I my bold prediction is that he goes to Atlanta. I think Atlanta and Lamar Jackson like will that. be a great combination. They would fit really well together, um, assuming that he could stay healthy. Um, they've got a lot of young players at Atlanta, so they could probably afford to pay him a little bit more than a lot of other teams. And I think he uh, he and Kyle Pitts, man, would have a great connection. Gonna, as soon as you said Atlanta, I was going to ask, do you take Kyle Pitts in the third this upcoming year if Lamar Jackson Okay, so he, we're going to talk a lot about this in the <laughs> offseason because I, I've been thinking a lot about the tight end situation because it's been weighing on my mind because it fucked me in so many ways as well as so many other people all year long. I think this year with how unbelievably deep this uh, wide receiver group is across mm-hmm. the NFL, I think you got to draft tight ends even earlier. I think you got to, you got to take your Mark Andrews. Oh, you got to take Travis Kelsey and you got to like take first Kyle round? Pitts. I'm talking Travis Kelsey, top five pick. I'm picking him immediately because the thing is, is you, you can go and pick up, two great wide receivers in the second and third round because there are so many of them to go around. And if Travis Kelsey ends up hitting again next year, like he did at the beginning of the season, he's a league winner. Mark Andrews obviously didn't perform as well as we wanted him to. He didn't hold up to Travis Kelsey, but he was still the number two tight end on the year. He was still performing better than every other tight end one. So I, I would take him probably in the second round. Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. They win the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey retires. You think that's going to happen? Honestly, it'd be a great note to go, go out to the on. Super Bowl, so I don't think it's going to be a problem. But um, he's not getting be... any younger. He still looks like he's got a lot of gas in the tank. Right. I'm not trying to dog on Travis Kelsey because I I do like I, I like me some Travi, but he is getting older. He is, but I, I mean, I would be much more concerned with his age if we saw any deterioration whatsoever in his play, and we haven't seen that. He he actually looked at the beginning of the season; it looked like he was going to have the best season of his career. Um, and granted, you know, he's not competing with Tyreek Hill for targets like he was in previous seasons. But you have to imagine that when you see him performing at that level, that you're not really concerned about that deterioration. Of course, he fell off toward the end of the season just because now we started passing to Jarek McKinnon in the red zone, and there are only so many red zone targets to go around so he started underperforming what we expected of him but still performing at a very high level when it comes to the other tight ends in the league yeah i was you know i was doing some writing last night for our new um 
our new writing endeavors, our blogging endeavors. And I, I did some write-ups and, and I won't go into too much detail because I'm still not done with it. But Kadarius Tony is somebody that is a, a, of extreme interest to me in, in fantasy and dynasty formats, especially because they're going to use him and I think they're going to use him a lot. So I'll leave it at that. But I am, I am excited for Kadarius Tony in this offense, maybe not for And we'll see how he's used in this, this postseason run that the chiefs are going to make. But um, I expect a lot from him next year. And I think, I, I think if you're a chiefs fan, you, you kind of share that same sentiment. Well, I'm, I'm hit and miss on Kadarius Tony. Cause as a chiefs fan, I'm very excited to have him on board. I think he offers a whole nother level of athleticism that our other receivers just don't have. Uh, I think he's a close match to Tyreek Hill in terms of how he can make people miss. Um, the problem is, in his young career, he has already been laden with injuries. Like he sure. just has not seen the field for very much. And there's an um, asterisk there to, if he stays healthy. Correct. And but on top of all that, the Chiefs have proven this year with Patrick Mahomes, you know, breaking the passing yard record and being only one of three quarterbacks to have consecutive over five thousand yard passing seasons. Where the the Chiefs are demonstrating that they don't need a wide receiver one. Patrick Mahomes can spread the ball out to several receivers. No, but they do because we're playing fantasy football and we want to know who it's going to be. Yes, I would agree from a fantasy perspective. It would be nice if we had a Tyreek Hill on this team, but I don't know that they're going to worry too much about that or force the ball into somebody's hands because they clearly don't have to. And so that still makes me nervous about all of these Chiefs pass catchers if your name is not Travis Kelsey. Well, and we, I mean, we hinted at this in the offseason before the season even started. We said this Chiefs offense is going to look completely different. And I, I don't expect greatness out of any of these wide receivers, except for Travis Kelsey, because I think they're going to spread the ball around a lot more than they have in previous years. And that's exactly what happens. So let's give ourselves a pat on the back. You didn't answer my question. I forgot what it was. I've been drinking. Lamar this. Jackson goes to the Falcons. Do you draft Kyle Pitts in the third? Yes. Yes or no? Okay. 100%. Uh, Maybe even earlier. Okay. Well. Uh, that answers my question. Thank you. Uh, last team here in the wild card weekend, Dallas versus Tampa. Another one that is very trivial for, uh, I think it's a pretty split backfield as far as who people um, think are going to win. Yeah. In house based on what's everyone submitted. Um, you chose the bucks. I chose the bucks. Alan chose the bucks. Yeti chose the Cowboys. This one's kind of difficult for me. I, I still do, and I'm not going to change my vote. I, I do believe it's the Bucks are going to win this because it's Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's going to do some Tom Brady bullshit to win this game. The Cowboys just, on some weeks, they bring it. On other weeks, they don't. I think it's kind of uh, the narrative that the Cowboys would make it to the playoffs and just choke. I think that's what's going to happen, and I, it sounds like you agree with that. Well, in uh, in the write up that's coming out tomorrow, uh, little teaser. I refer to this game as the Spider Man meme game. These are two oh. teams that are staring at themselves in the mirror when they step on this field because they're both teams that you look on paper. They've got decent rosters. They look like they should be good, um, and then they've underperformed. You know, they're both in the playoffs, so they're not terrible, yeah. but they've underperformed expectations, no doubt. And I think they both see that in each other. Um, so this is another game, probably more so than any other game. It comes down to quarterback play, and Tom Brady has never lost to the Cowboys in his career. He is seven and zero against never the Cowboys. Lost? Wow. Um, so I think Tom Brady's experience. He knows what to do to get the win. I think that's going to have them edge out, assuming that even you know Dak shows up and doesn't throw any picks for the first time ever. Um, I think Tom Brady still pulls this out in a tight one, and it's also possible that Dak literally throws the game away because he's done that several times this season. 
Yeah, I, I just like you mentioned, I, I don't see the Cowboys winning this because Tom Brady is known for doing Tom Brady shit. And I said that already. Um, we have a question here from Sober Money. Appreciate the question, my friend. Would love a subscribe if you are feeling oh so generous. We are not sober. We are not sober. We're drinking whiskey. And let me tell you, it helps. Question from Sober Money is I own Jerry Judy and I'm trying to get him off of his <laughs> roster. Wow. Or you're trying to get him off. Like, Try to man, get him off. Yo, I don't know what your personal life is, and I respect either decision. Would you trade Jerry Judy in a 2023 third for a 108? He is in a rebuild. He is in need of a quarterback. His other wide receivers include T. Higgins, Jalen Waddle, and Calvin Ridley. You're not sitting bad for wide receivers, to be honest with you, my friend. Um, I don't know what your quarterback situation currently looks like. The 108, I'm and I don't know if this is a super flex because it wasn't included in the information, but that is strongly going to determine how things are picked, in my opinion. Um, in a super flex league, those quarterbacks are gonna go a lot quicker, and I think that you would be rather lucky to get a quarterback in the 108. And that's just a, a quarterback worthy of value. Like CJ Stroud's gonna be gone. Bryce Young's going to be gone. And depending upon what some of these teams do, those other quarterbacks might not be in a, an extremely favorable situation. So I don't hate it. I was in Jerry Judy, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, it is a super flex league. So yeah, I'm not, I don't know how in it re realistically, because, and it's funny you mentioned this, I was doing this in one of our dynasty leagues that we are in and I was looking at team needs for other teams. And so I'm sitting there looking and saying, who do I think is going to draft this person at this person? Because I have a uh, the 102, and I was looking at trading back and while still getting the people that I need because I'm not like desperate for any one type of player. So I was kind of trying to brain scheme, and I think that's what you're going to have to do here is look at team needs. The 108, I don't expect you to get a great quarterback there. You would have to go a little bit earlier than that. But I was doing a write-up on Jerry Judy. And like I mentioned, I was doing a buy low and Jerry Judy is actually a buy low for me. And and Jerry Judy, I want to say it and I, I wrote it all down, but I don't have it in front of me at the moment. I think he finished wide receiver 15 on the year mm -hmm. or no, it was wide receiver 22. I'm sorry. He, he um, was a wide receiver, too. Yes. You know, he, he was a wide receiver, too. And so I expect in and uh, if this is your first time here. We have a, a gentleman who is on our, our show on Mondays and we were we were actually just kind of talking about the Broncos. He believes that the Broncos had a down season and and he expects them to be a little bit better next year. I like Jerry Judy and I don't hate you selling him, but I, I want to make sure that you get decent value for him. I don't hate that. That's what I'm going to I'm going to say. I'm going to say I do not hate you selling a, a third round pick in Jerry Judy for the 108 because there is going to there is value there intrinsically. It really just depends on exactly what you're looking for and what your team what the other teams are kind of in need of. And I know that doesn't necessarily help you answer your question, but it's all very situational in that regard, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Well, for, for me, it's going to come back or come down to how your running back room looks. Cause I, I, I think that at the one Oh eight, you have potential to get a decent running back from this draft. That's going to be young. Um, you know, hopefully you do your draft after the NFL draft. So you know what the situations are for these players. Um, I, I still think Jerry Judy is is here's let me phrase it this way the broncos were as bad this year as they will ever be and jerry judy was wide receiver 20 some on the year yes so there's do only name, up do you to go. some of that on nathaniel hackett i uh, i am curious almost all of it on nathaniel really? hackett okay um you know russ wilson 
obviously looked terrible this year, but we've seen what he's capable of throughout his career. So you can't just assume he all of a sudden sucks, right? Because even at Seattle, their offensive line was garbage. He was still constantly running around. And guess what? He was still considered a Hall of Fame quarterback. So I, you can't put all this blame on Russ Wilson. I think he shoulders some of it, but also he's coming to a new system. He's dealing with a new head coach, dealing with a lot of young players. I think Russell Wilson can only get better. And as a result, I think Jerry Judy can only get better. Do you think Portland, Russell Wilson needs a bigger office in the Broncos facility? Yeah, I think he might need a casting couch in there. And that might oh. that might help him out a little bit nice. personally. Um, but no, I, I in all seriousness, I am not looking to sell Jerry Judy unless you you know you're going to get a high return from it. So it depends on your running back situation and who you can target as, uh, you know, I guess I would wait to make this trade until the NFL draft happens. I would agree with that. that. I think that in, in for most trades, that's kind of exactly the camp that I'm in. Sober money says my concern is with his injuries and the fact that he was the only starter receiver throughout a lot of the games this season. I think he had a peak season. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because Jerry Judy is a great wide receiver and I don't want to discredit him. Yes, he did have some injury concern, but this whole team at times was kind of injury plagued. Um, you can't predict injuries. And, and if this is your first time here, you will hear us consistently preach. We don't root for injuries and we don't, uh, but you cannot predict it. You know, look at Christian McCaffrey, I think is a wonderful example of this because a lot of people wrote him off because he got injured the last two years and he's been pretty usable this entire year for yeah, the most part. Like he's, that's an he's understatement. Yeah, exactly. So it, uh, you can't predict the injury. I do expect the Broncos to get better, and I don't hate Jerry Judy as an own. And I'm not trying to to tell you don't sell him, but what I will tell you is wait and see where other players were drafted at, and let's kind of get the ADP of these rookies coming in. Like you yeah. can, you know, we can sit here and do a rookie mock up. Let's see where the ADP is because a lot of people follow ADP when it comes to drafting. And also let's look at their team needs. So that, that was, that's kind of my, my direction for this. Yeah. And I'll just leave you with this. The, The final thing here to address your concern directly is even if you look at the stats from when Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy were on the field together, both of them healthy, Jerry Judy still commanded the targets. So you're right. He did benefit from being the wide receiver one by default, a lot of the games this year, but he commands targets far more so than Cortland Sutton on this team when they're both healthy. So I think, you know, we, we had the discussion in the offseason. I said Cortland Sutton was going to be the wide receiver one because Russell Wilson is known for his deep ball. And Cortland Sutton just looks like he's not a very good player. He just doesn't look like he's able to get open. Hey, you be um, nice. That was my fourth over, or my fourth round. <laughs> but hey, I bought into him a ton as well, as we all did in this Broncos Fifth. offense that we thought was Super Bowl bound. But um but Cortland Sutton just does not command targets, and Jerry Judy does. Jerry Judy is an incredible player, and I think this Broncos offense is going to get better. That means more scoring opportunities. I think Jerry Judy finishes better next year than he did this year. I think he'll be at least a very usable wide receiver too. Okay. Uh, we don't have a dropper for this, so I'm just – we haven't done the mail time one in so long, and I am just anxious, so I'm going to play it. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, that felt good. Yeah. Scotty, why don't you kick us off? At the end of this episode here, we've just got a couple different topics of conversation just to discuss, just some, just the shop talk. We're, we're the water cooler chat. Why don't you take it away? Uh, Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do some shop talk. I like that. Let me, uh, hold on. I'm on the wrong notes page. I've been drinking. Oh my I'm gosh. lost. I don't know I what's I just finished my on. bottle. So cheers, brother. You finished your bottle? I just opened a new bottle. I got... I got plenty to go. Chugging, brother. Yeah. All right. So 
first topic of conversation here. Will Sean McVay actually retire and be done? There's a lot of speculation about this. What's he going to do? Does he just simply hate the Rams and want to go coach somewhere else? Seems unlikely. Does he want to go do broadcasting? Does he want to do the typical thing that you know NFL personnel do uh, when they leave the NFL and say, I just want to spend time with my family? What do you think he does? Gross. Um I think, you know what? Okay, so there's a little bit of of background with this question. Alan called me yesterday while I was uh, I was on on the pot. He doesn't know that, so now he does. And Alan doesn't call me. And if you don't know Alan, he's on our Monday epi- or our Tuesday episodes, Monday live episodes. And I'm like, okay, I got to answer. Like something's going on. If Alan's calling me, this is big. So I'm sitting on the toilet. And I answered and I said, "Hey, what's up, man?" And he's like, driving home, and I couldn't text this, but I wanted to, I just wanted to have a quick conversation. I said, all right, what's up? He said, I think Sean McVay retires. I'm like, I could have definitely finished my poop before I answered this phone call. Uh, But (laughs) so we're sitting there talking about Sean McVay, and he brought up some really good points. He was supposed to be on today's episode, which is kind of why I put this on there is because I, I wanted him to revisit this, and he said he didn't want to lose it. So um, I, I apologize for him not being able to be here and, and get his thoughts. But he said, hey, I think Sean McVay is going to retire. And I said, okay. I said, what makes you think that? And he goes, well, and and you know, I had totally forgotten. Sean McVay almost retired at the end of last season, and there was conversation about him potentially being done. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I I guess I could see that. And he said, uh, like, when did John Madden retire? I'm like, Shit, dude, like, I, I have no idea. Or how old was he when he retired was the question. Um, and I'm like, uh, I want to say 60-something. <laughs> and he goes, no. When he, I'm pulling it up now because he had the number. Uh, I want to say he was like 43. I think that's the number. And if you can, if you can fact check that, I would appreciate it. And I said, I would have never thought that. And and so he, he went on to explain how tedious it is to be a 42, 42 would have never guessed that. And he's like, and then he went on to talk about some other coaches that retired pretty early and hung up the hat and was done. And Sean McVay's done it all. He won the Super Bowl. He got his ring. I don't think some of us in the in the fantasy landscape and in the you know word pseudo broadcasters in a way we don't necessarily realize the amount of effort and time in life energy that goes into being a head coach of an NFL team. I've been a bit behind in my hard knocks my my hard knocks episodes and as a Cardinals fan, shame on me. But we had the car we had the HBO hard knocks in season, so I was watching some of it today. And and Cliff Kingsbury, who no longer is the coach for the Cardinals, he was showing off his house and he's like, "Yeah, those are the mountains and whatever the mountains names were called." And he goes, "I really don't get to see him though." He goes, "Because I leave before it gets dark and I get home after it's dark, and so I don't get to see." And it kind of dawned on me, you know, talking to Alan yesterday and then i watched that this morning and i'm like man we don't realize how hard it is for some of these guys sometimes and and so i think there is a an, a chance that sean mcveigh just retires I, I don't think the rams will fire him <laughs> the rams have lost their head coach now but i think that there is a very real possibility that sean mcveigh just hangs up the hat maybe gets a media deal somewhere where it's ex- way less stressful makes some money 
and just talks football like is I and I Alan brought that up to me and I'm like man I, I think that he's right I think there's a very good possibility of that I think Rams fans would be extremely sad but there is a decent possibility that that could happen what do you think uh yeah I mean just put it in perspective for a second I mean a lot of us think okay you're a coach in the NFL you're a player in the NFL you have the dream job why would you leave and the real answer to that is why not Sean McVay, according to CelebrityNetWorth.com, shout oh, out to them, is worth $40 million. This man could have retired a decade ago and lived a life of absolute luxury till the day that he died. Banging so, his supermodel wife. That's that's why so many NFL personnel say, oh, I'm gonna, I just want to spend time with my family. That's what J.J. Watt said when he retired all this stuff. And you think, okay, well, you're only like, you're under the age of 40, so... You know, nobody else in life has that luxury, but they're like, oh, well, you're worth a hundred million dollars. So I guess you, you can have that luxury. Like there's no reason to not do that, especially if you've made your mark in the league, you sort of stamped out your legacy. Um, I wouldn't blame him at all for retiring. And, and frankly, uh, you know, if I was in his situation, you're coming off Super Bowl win, you see your team starting to sputter a little bit, aging out. Um, you don't necessarily want to go through the struggles of the rebuild and being, you know, shouldering a franchise and trying to put it back uh, in, into play. Um, I don't blame him at all. I wouldn't. And I think a, a Sean McVay, he would be an interesting broadcaster because he is a very kind of squirrely personality where he's like kind Sean of, McVay, he's got kind of a high pitched voice and he's a little like ADHD a little bit. Um, so I think it would be funny to watch him do that, but he could do that. He has the, you know, the memory of a genius and he's someone that he can give a lot of, of football analysis and a really high level. Um, so I, I don't blame him at all. I wouldn't blame him, but I am secretly hoping that uh, your Photoshop comes true and he ends up going to, <laughs> to, to coach for the Cardinals. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, what I did say is, uh, and I said this before the news had even broke, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be a Cardinal next year. And it sounds like that's probably going to be the case. The Cardinals actually came out and said they would be looking to move DeHop. I think it makes sense. And I, you know, when Alan and I were talking, I think this was last week's episode, uh, we were talking about that. And, and he's like, well, I don't know. And I, it, it made sense to me. And it, I think it makes sense for this organization. DeAndre Hopkins is not getting any younger. Kyler Murray is not going to be healthy to start the season. Why do you not just sell somebody who, you know, you're going to miss your window. Like that's, that is pretty much exactly what's going to happen. You're going to miss your window with an elite talented wide receiver. So why don't you just, if you love something, set it free, <laughs> set him free and get some picks out of it to maybe help you down the stretch. So here's, here's my question for you as a Cardinals fan. When I was writing up the, the draft uh, article that we wrote, where we went over the top 10 picks. Uh, what I settled on before this, this Hopkins news came out was the Cardinals offense has potential to be great as is. We never saw them healthy. Sure. Never did all of one person or multiple people were injured every single game. So they, we mm -hmm. never saw this offense at full force. And so what I said is it makes the most sense for them to focus on their defense, to pick up an edge rusher or something with their first pick uh, and, and really bolster what has been a pretty underwhelming defense, but now selling the wide receiver one, getting some additional picks, are they going to focus on their offense now, or are they going to do some sort of combination of both? Or do you think they still focus on their defense? Cause they still have a lot of great offensive weapons if they can stay on the field. In an ideal world, I'd like to see both. And I think this largely depends upon, I don't think we need the 103. I think we should move down in the draft. I still, I would like a mid first round pick. And I think that's feasible to do given the amount of quarterbacks that need, uh, that teams need. I think that they could probably do that. So I would like to see that happen. You sell DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know what they get for him. Um, 
but we need help on both sides of the ball. Realistically, we don't, you know, Kyler Murray, he's the franchise quarterback. He's going to be the guy. Even the Cardinals have come out and said that Kyler Murray is going to be a, a part of the coaching decision. I firmly believe Sean Payton is going to be our head coach. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, and, that'd be sweet. It, yeah I'm, I'm not upset about that. Uh, I, I'm curious to know, and, and we talked about this on last episode, the Saints want compensation. So what does that compensation look like? TBD. Yeah. But Sean Payton's going to be our head coach. Wide receiver-wise, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it would be nice to have some help at the wide receiver level, but I don't think that's really where we're hurting. I think there's a lot of other holes that need to be plugged. Our offensive line does not look good. Our defense is is somewhat struggling. J.J. Watt just retired, so we're going to need help on the D-line a little bit, I think. Um, I'm interested to see what they do. Yeah. And I don't want to speculate too far, but I do want to say DeAndre Hopkins I don't think is going to be wearing red next year so where does he go scotty he goes to the bears man i think that's, that's a good place that, for him. that's the move that makes the most sense the bears desperately need um uh, they desperately need him uh or any wide receiver to come in and help out with this young roster you know deandre hopkins you know a lot of teams um that's you know i, I you think of uh the falcons for example the falcons their offense has a lot of potential i actually said in the article that I think this team could be dangerous in a couple of years as they put yeah. a couple pieces together. They've got some good young pieces on this offense. What they need is a veteran to come in and lead them. So I think that they're going to trade in the offseason for a veteran quarterback, someone like Derek Carr, someone like um, uh, someone like uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, someone who can come in and, and give some experience to the offense. And I think mm -hmm. the Cardinals could use that, or I'm sorry, the Bears could use that as well. Um, they've got a lot of young, great players on this offense. If they get a veteran wide receiver in there who knows how to get open, knows how to read the defense. And one thing I love about DeAndre Hopkins, we saw it with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's a little bit of a hothead. He likes to throw temper tantrums. And you oh, yeah. always saw DeAndre Hopkins over, you know, his arm on his shoulder telling him, hey, we got this. Don't worry about it. You know, you know, he's he's good at building that relationship with the person who's supposed to be the team leader. And so a relationship between him and Justin Fields, I think, could be really, really dangerous. And they desperately need a wide receiver one in that offense. So I just think that makes perfect, perfect sense. Yeah, I agree. I think that the Bears, it, that's where I would love to see him go. The Giants also need a wide receiver. They need wide receiver help as much as they can. I would like to see him go to the Bears. Yeah, I would. I would like to see him go to the Bears. I would like the Bears to find some success. So I, you know, but I was thinking about this today because for those that do not know, I once was a Texans fan. That was the team I originally chose when I started rooting for the NFL uh, years ago. Um, and I, I, in large part, chose it because of DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. Watt. And then they both left the Texans and they went to the Cardinals and I was kind of torn and I was like, okay, well, you know, I've already chosen the Texans, so they're going to be my team. And then the news with Watson came out and I said, you know what? I'm done here. I'll go to the Cardinals and I will root for my guys over there. Now they're not going to be on the Cardinals anymore. So hopefully no news breaks of Kyler Murray that is uh, <laughs> nearly as dangerous as it was for Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Because if so, that just means that I, I think I am the reason these dynasties are failing. Well, if... If you decide to leave the Cardinals as a fan, I think you need to choose a really bad team and see the if Lions. you bring them to success. The Lions. Well, they're not a really bad team as of right now. That's true. And I do love the Lions. They're my, they're my, they're the team I'm going to root for until the Cardinals get good again. 
Like there is a chance I'll just buy a Lions jersey that says Dan Campbell on it. I, I think it's perfectly fair game for fans to have more than one team. Like you have your primary team, but yeah. like there are other teams you want to see find success. I think that's perfectly acceptable as an NFL fan. I mean, we're we're fans of talent, we're fans of showmanship, and so it makes perfect sense to you know root for the teams that you see with potential. You want to see guys go out there and kick ass. That's what there makes are teams football that fun. I would never root for. I will say yeah, that. Like 100%. there are a couple, like, like the, the Raiders. Patriots. I would, Patriots, Raiders, I probably would never root for. Packers, I wouldn't root for. Those are just like three teams that come come to mind when I'm like, I would not root for them. There are teams that I have no vested interest in, but I don't hate. And then there are teams like I just said that I really just don't like that much. Yeah. Okay. You've already kind of touched on this. You said you would draft tight ends very early next year. Did you want to delve into that anymore? Or would you like to move on? Well, I just think it might be good to to really hit it home because we know swinging out of the park. Well, I, I just think that the, the league right now, especially from a fantasy perspective is moving in such a way, you know, even just a few years ago, the mindset of everyone playing fantasy football is you got to get your running backs early. You got to go in, you got to draft your running backs. We're looking at a 2023 fantasy draft that might have three wide receivers as the top three picks. Um, and I don't remember a time where that's ever been the case. And you just see that there are so many great wide receivers in a league that's moving toward basically air raid offenses. Uh, wide receivers just seem to be the way to go. And the zero running back strategy or some variation of it seems to have a lot of validity at this point in time. So with that much depth at the wide receiver position, we know how important a good tight end is. That's a difference maker. That's a league winner. I think it makes perfect sense to draft these top, you know, three or four tight ends as early as you can possibly get them because you can make that value up on the back end in this, in this upcoming year. Obviously with so much quarterback movement expected and a lot of coaching changes happening, there is a lot of reason that, uh, you know, the league is going to look way different than it does right now. So you have to make this decision when draft time comes and you can't necessarily speculate all the way until then. But I personally think drafting Travis Kelsey early in the first round is a perfectly acceptable way to go. I think drafting, drafting Kyle Pitts in the second or third round is a perfectly good way to go. Uh, depending on what happens with Lamar, I think is going to dictate Mark Andrews, but he's obviously a great talent and he is a difference maker at that position. I think Mark Andrews is probably going to be, if Lamar does not come back next year, I think we see Lamar Jackson or Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews in like a fourth round like end of third, early fourth. I, I'm not going to agree or disagree with this because there's a lot of metrics that I'd like to do, and I we just have not had enough time to sit down and do that. Um, I want to see where the spread is from tight. You know, like obviously Kelsey's one of the best, but beyond that, what, what does the spread look like in comparison to other wide receivers that you would get at the end of the first round? Let's look at that. So I'm not going to agree or disagree. I'm going to put a bookmark in this, and I think we should re revisit this, and I'm sure we will. Uh, in, in a later episode as, as yeah. it progresses. Calvin Ridley. We talked about him a little bit as well. He is on here as a, as a topic of conversation. He's been removed from the NFL for the last two years. We've seen what that has done for Deshaun Watson, but you believe that unlike Deshaun Watson, Calvin Ridley will come back in true to form. Is that the case? I think a better comparison is DeAndre Hopkins. We were we were concerned about whether or not, you know, DeAndre Hopkins obviously didn't spend nearly as much time off the football field, but he did spend an extended time off the football field. He's not getting any younger. We worried about his status as the wide receiver one coming into this new offense. And guess what? He showed up and immediately showed out. And again, 
you know, Calvin Ridley, I think could be great or he could be okay, but given the other receivers on this team, there's a very good chance he ends up being the wide receiver one pretty much by default. Um, so I think Calvin Ridley is someone that I'm willing to take a risk on. I think his upside is high enough that even if he doesn't pan out, it was worth the risk. Okay. Let's say you have the 202 in a dynasty format. Would you trade Calvin Ridley for the 202? Or would you trade the 202 to obtain Calvin Ridley? 202, probably not. Just just given how valuable wide receivers are, I think he's more of a third, fourth round guy, especially with the uncertainty. Um, and that makes it, you know, you're limiting your risk at that point. But I think that's probably where his ADP is going to end up being. I don't think people are going to be real excited to grab him off the board as early as possible. Again, just given how valuable wide receivers are and how many valuable wide receivers there are. But I Let's think third round, fourth round is... 208. You're, you're edging close to that third round. If you had the 208, would you sell it for Calvin Ridley? So if I drafted Christian McCaffrey before him, then probably yes. No, we're talking in, in like a, in a dynasty. League. Oh, if in a dynasty. Format. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, in a dynasty format, if I had the 208, yeah, I would trade him. For okay, Calvin I would too. Um, I think that's probably my limit. Maybe the 206, 206, 207. That's kind of like where it gets edgy for me because you're kind of getting in dart throw-ish territory. And uh, and so I, I, I think he is as much of a dart throw as, as a potential rookie could be depending upon what's available. So, um, okay. And there's a last thing here. You want to talk about head coaches and quarterback changes. Let's talk about it. Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Well, Okay, so it's common sense. When there's a lot of change in an offense, obviously it seems like there's a high likelihood it's going to take some time for, <coughs> excuse me, for that offense to gel. Um, keep me down the hole. Yeah, um, but I think you know when a new head coach comes in to an existing situation, that's something a team can overcome. When a new quarterback comes in to an existing situation, that's something a team can overcome. What the Denver Broncos showed us this year is that when a new head coach and a new quarterback, even if it's a hall of fame quarterback come into a new situation, there's a lot of reason to be concerned. Um, and so that makes me, that, that seems to me, you know, when, when you're talking fantasy football, you're thinking of formulas, we can't predict the future. So we're trying to make educated guesses based on what we think is going to happen. And so you look for these formulas, when you're looking at wide receivers, you're looking at their target share, you're looking at the, the snaps that they played. When you're looking at running backs, you're looking at their carries versus their usage in the backfield quarterbacks. You're looking at their ability to move the ball with their feet and keep the play alive and have that rushing upside. The formula generally for a team is if they have a new head coach and a new quarterback, which that's going to happen a lot at the start of 2023 because of all the changes being made in the offseason. Um, I Namely, am looking Raiders, to fade. Yeah. Colts are two that come to mind. Um, and probably more that we don't know about yet. Um, yeah. Texans. And so, yeah. And so I am uh, looking to fade those offenses. And granted, it may sound like common sense because if a team's firing their head coach, it doesn't seem like their team is doing very well. And obviously the team's underperforming, but I think it's a reason to fade those players just a little bit further down and have that little bit more caution when you're approaching that situation. Panthers as well. Um, I don't hate that. You know, you can look at urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence. That was disgusting. Um, you can look at Robert Salah and Zach Wilson of last year. And that was not a great uh, outcome for the jets. I think there's some validity there. I, I think that there is, and I, I'm not going to say don't draft them. I'm not going to say don't touch them, but I'm going to say tread with caution. And I, I like the fact that you brought this up because it's something that 
you know, I think uh, oftentimes, especially in fantasy football, we overlook some of that for just the pure talent of a player. Michael Pittman comes to mind, is that, or DJ Moore, kind of those guys are in the same wheelhouse of their great athletic wide receivers that do provide a lot of value for a team, but then you have to look at the consistency of the throws that they're getting, and you have to look at their offensive as an entirety, and, and there's a lot of problems for both of those guys. I think Michael Pittman is a little bit more interesting to me than DJ Moore solely because I think the offensive outlook is a little bit better, but uh, they need a quarterback, they need a head coach, and guess what? So do the Panthers. So it's interesting. I, I like that take, and, and I'm not going to say write him off. But I'm going to say, like I just said a minute ago, tried with caution. We do have one more question, and then we will wrap things up here. Sober Money asks us one more question. He says, I'm in a tight end premium rebuild, and I'm looking for I'm looking to build for 2024. He owns Brees Hall, and he has three 2024 first round picks. His quarterbacks are Zach Wilson. Or I don't know if it's Zach or, or Russ Wilson. Um, one of the Wilsons. I'm, let's assume Russ for easy yeah, convenience. I would assume Russ. Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill. And his tight ends are Irv Smith and oh, I always butcher his name. Ocon. Thank you. Um, what should he do? Should he be looking for a tight end now or a quarterback? Give me your thoughts first. I'm rereading the question because I was looking at one of our other questions while you were talking. Oh, it is Russell, by the way. He did need to mention that. Um, I guess I don't know what those three first rounds pick. Uh, if anything, and I don't know what the rule, the the strict rules are on tight end premium. Tight ends are such a, a shit show. Tight ends are such a difficult thing to predict. And, you know, Scotty said in a redraft format, he would be grabbing them at the very beginning as soon as you can. I don't know if I would necessarily go that far. But there's a couple tight ends that kind of come to mind. Dallas Goddard would be one I would love to own, and he is not nearly as expensive as either Travis Kelsey. He's kind of approaching the the same value of Mark Andrews as far as what you might have to pay to get him. I, I look at those guys very similarly, but he's kind of one that's sneaky under the radar. I like Pat Fryermuth as well. I think he's going to be a little bit cheaper than, uh, than this, these other guys that I named. I would probably focus on quarterback. That would be, at the very least, I would be looking to get at least one quarterback in the upcoming draft because I do expect Russell Wilson to be better. I fully do. I think Russell Wilson, I think he was a, he shares some of the blame, but I think Nathaniel Hackett also shares some, a large majority of that blame. And I expect Russell Wilson to do better this upcoming year than he did last year. Ryan Tannehill is about to lose his starting role. They drafted Malik Willis last year, and I think they kind of showed their hand that they're looking towards the future. The Titans are not going to be a good team in the in the next few years. I don't think that they will be. They're a well-coached team. I like Vrabel, but it's problematic when you look at their situation that they're in because they rely heavily on Derrick Henry, and he is getting older, and then they traded away their best wide receiver for a w- rookie wide receiver that did nothing. So Tannehill, I see him kind of being phased out. Kirk Cousins is on a one-year deal with the Vikings this year, so he could end up with a new team next year. I do think Kirk Cousins is still a viable quarterback. He was QB 10. I think he was QB 10 on the year, somewhere on that mark. And he he's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback, but he's certainly usable. It helps when he has a lot of weapons around him, and he's one of those guys that maybe Kirk Cousins goes to the Jets. Mm-hmm. Well, Kirk Cousins is one of those guys, and we talked about this a lot before this season, that he's a quarterback that you can pick up late in drafts and is perfectly usable. And so you can spend your early draft capital on some of those skill positions that matter so much. You know, quarterbacks uh, in a super flex league, the math is completely different. But when you're talking about a standard league and you have one quarterback, 
Um, I think people way overvalue quarterbacks. Now, this upcoming year might be a little bit different, and the reason for that is I am all in this year with these elite wide receivers. I'm all in on the quarterback elite wide receiver stack. I think that's going to be a huge strategy that people take up. Uh, I did that in a couple leagues this year. And coincidentally, those were the best leagues that I was in or that that's, that was the best result that I got out of all the leagues that I was in this year. I think that uh, it's worth reaching for a quarterback like Joe Burrow. If you pick up a T Higgins or Jamar chase. Um, So I think it's, it's worth reaching a little bit in that case. But generally, if you're talking about one quarterback leagues, my thought process is let Mahomes go, let Allen go pick up Kirk cousins at the end of the draft and fill up on Skill positions. I think. Um, yeah, I, I would I would be looking to try and upgrade at the quarterback position just to give you another option. Another tight end that really comes to mind that I think is skimming under the radar that that is a very obvious buy in a tight end premium league is David Njoku. I love David Njoku. He has shown his true colors this year as far as a feasible and good tight end that can handle a lot of volume. Obviously, he's got to stay healthy, but he's just another guy. If you're looking to kind of make some trades, those are trade targets for me. Those are the guys that I'm very interested in. Trey McBride is another one that's he's probably the cheapest one, and he is a little bit more of a coin flip than some of the other guys I mentioned, but he is the rookie tight end for the the Cardinals this year. Um, And if they're losing DeAndre Hopkins, he might have a bigger role. That and, you know, Zach uh, Ertz is going to be back, but. He's coming off of injury. He is also getting a little bit older. And McBride, they drafted early. And I think that he, you know, Zach Ertz was a very prominent part of this Cardinals offense. And I think that McBride could also kind of be that guy. So those are my thoughts at it. I hope that helps you. And that is all the time. Hold on. We do have one more question that came in through Twitter. Um, What do you think about Tom Brady to the Raiders? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I, first off, it's just not going to happen. It would actually, it, I would love it to happen because then I could just, you take all the hatred I have for a lot of different components and add them all into one team. I don't think it's going to happen because Tom Brady, he loves a good defense and the Raiders are very, they're about as far away from a good defense as you can get. Um, and they don't have a lot of, they have a lot of aging pieces on the offense, but I, I kind of look at the Raiders offense somewhat similarly is to, the Bucks offense. Like, you know, they've got Darren Waller, who is old and struggles to stay healthy. Hunter Renfro has struggled to stay healthy this year. They have Devontae Adams, who honestly, I could see the Ravens moving unless they end up getting <coughs> Aaron Rodgers. Um, I don't see Tom Brady going there. I, I do not see Tom Brady ending up there because Tom Brady wants to win. He wants to go somewhere where that will set him up to succeed the best. And I just don't see the Raiders being that place for him. Yeah, I mean, there's some some things that might lend credibility to the idea, given the fact that, okay, it's a nice weather state. It's far, it's far away from new England. Um, you know, some things that might make it seem like, okay, he might consider it, but Tom Brady doesn't go to places that don't have good defenses. Um, it, you know, he does, he knows what wins football games. Tom Brady is a smart guy and he knows that if you don't have a good defense and you have an aging offense, it's just not going to bode well for you. Um, I've talked shit on the Raiders a lot, uh, because I despise them, but truly, I root for good football, so I want teams to be good. I think the Raiders have a long road to be good. I think they draft a quarterback uh, in this upcoming draft, um, and they they start building again. And I do I agree with you. I think that there's a decent chance they look at doing something with Devontae Adams, um, just because I think they're they're basically approaching the rebuild cliff. They have a lot of aging weapons, um, and I just think that uh, they're they're going to be looking to offload that age and get some youth and start building for the future. So I I agree. I don't think it's very likely. Yeah. 
And shout out to uh, Mr. Raider for that question on Twitter. Appreciate the question, brother. That is all the time that we have. Hope you enjoyed Shop Talk. It was something, usually we come with a lot of structure. We come with copious amounts of notes and statistics and facts. But this is more of just let's sit down, let's drink some whiskey, and let's have some conversation. So we hope you uh, all enjoyed that today. Scotty, am I missing anything? No, sir. You're a true professional and a scholar. Oh, you're going to make me blush. That is all the time we have. Appreciate it. And we are out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leather Brains. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app and YouTube, as well as following us at Leather Brains on Twitter and Instagram. If you're looking for specific fantasy advice, including draft advice, trade insight, starts and sits, or even if you want our thoughts on your sports bets, please feel free to send us a DM on Twitter for an answer and a chance to have your question featured on a future episode. Again, thank you for tuning in, and we'll be back before you know it.